Whoa! Before we get started, I want to go over the four sponsors for this episode who make all this possible. They're fantastic, so go show them some love. The first is the best URL in the industry, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, driving mass adoption. That's why we're all here, right? To get every human on earth a digital wallet and to get them using digital currencies. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and a new card payment. Everything you could want is at Crypto.com. They've been longtime supporters of Off The Chain and recently announced a new exchange. So go help them out, download their app from the App Store, or visit Crypto.com and tell them Pomp sent you. There's nothing better in the world than a company helping to drive global adoption of this new technology. Another part of global adoption is making sure that we secure the various blockchains with computing power. CoinMine has built the best consumer experience in mining, hands down, no competition. If you want to help secure the blockchain and get started in mining, you can go to coinmine.com pomp. Order a CoinMine, it'll arrive at your door, and you simply take it out of the box, plug it in, and connect to your Wi-Fi. You'll be mining your favorite crypto in five minutes or less. It is honestly magical. I have one running right now here in the office, and it's super quiet, it's got no heat, and every person that comes in the office asks, what is that? Every single person asks. It's a coin mine. The best part to me is that the coin mine comes with a mobile app that's super slick, and the company continues to push over-the-air updates to the device that add functionality, add tokens that can be mined, or increase the efficiency of the device. Similar to how Tesla does car software updates over the air, CoinMine's sending these passively to thousands of CoinMines around the world on a periodic basis. Pretty damn cool. When Farboot and the team pitched me on the idea of an Xbox or PlayStation-like box that could mine cryptocurrency in your home, I was immediately sold. I invested in the business, have a device personally, and keep telling people to go to coinmine.com pomp so they can save a lot of time if they want to get started mining today. And CoinMine has a partnership with our third sponsor for this episode, BlockFi. BlockFi is one of my favorite companies in crypto because they allow users to deposit their assets in a deposit account and immediately start earning interest. Think about it. If you keep your digital assets on an exchange or in cold storage, you aren't benefiting from any yield on the asset. With BlockFi, they allow you to deposit crypto and then get paid interest on a monthly basis in crypto. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in ETH? You can do it. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in Bitcoin? You can do it. The rates at BlockFi are currently some of the best in the industry. You can earn 6% interest on Bitcoin and you can earn up to 8.6% APY on GUSD deposits. I'm an investor in the company and think BlockFi is building really important and compelling infrastructure. So go check them out at BlockFi.com pomp. Again, that's BlockFi.com pomp. And that brings us to the last advertiser of the episode, eToro. These guys have absolutely crushed it over the years. Their founder, Yoni, was one of the original Bitcoin OGs and has been ahead of almost every trend in crypto. He built eToro to help people buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, but he added a few twists, social trading, copy trading, and virtual trading accounts. Social trading is a feature where every asset available on the platform has its own separate social feed where people talk about the asset, share trading ideas and analysis, and even include various charts or graphs. Virtual trading accounts is targeted at beginners. If you're just starting out and want to try trading with play money, eToro will give you a virtual account with $100,000 in it to test, learn, and get comfortable. And so, then that brings us to copy trading, which is by far the coolest feature. This allows you, as a user, to select any other user's portfolio to copy. If you see someone on the platform you like, you can set your account to mimic their trades. They buy Bitcoin with 5% of their portfolio, your portfolio buys 5% Bitcoin. They sell 50% of their Ether position, your portfolio does the same thing automatically. Copy trading's awesome, so go join the 10 plus million other traders on eToro and start trading all the most popular cryptocurrencies today. They're one of the largest companies in the space, and you can get started by going to eToro.com. Again, that is eToro.com, where the entire team's ready to get you started in just a few clicks. And don't forget, go subscribe to the Off The Chain daily newsletter. You can go to offthechain.substack.com. I write a letter of news, analysis, and opinion every morning that goes out to more than 40,000 investors. See you there. What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Rong Chen is the founder of Elastos. In this conversation, we discuss working at Microsoft in the early days, building network operating systems, why the decentralized internet is important, how Elastos is pushing the pace of innovation, and where Rong thinks dApps may have gone wrong. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. All right, guys, bang, bang. I'm sitting here with Rong. 
super excited to have this conversation. Uh, there's a lot of people excited that we're going to talk today. So uh, thanks so much for coming to do this. Well, thank you so much. For sure. Um, let's jump right in. What uh, What's your background kind of pre, uh, pre-Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain? What did you do before? Well, my background is uh, I came to this country. I came to New York uh, January 4th of uh, 1984. That's when the internet uh, named internet from Uppernet. And also that's when Unix uh, open source to universities. So I went to the University of Illinois to study uh, operating systems. And ever since it's been 30 Five years. In 1984, you went to go study operating systems? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's pretty good foresight. <laughs> oh, it's a fluke because uh, uh, look back. Uh, at that time, I thought uh, we we're just studying, you know, came to this country with more advanced computer science uh, uh, research. But on the other hand, I overlooked uh, that was uh, actually the year. If you look at uh, uh, Microsoft, uh, Oracle, uh, Sun Macro, and uh, Apple. Actually, all founders uh, were born in 55. Really? Right. All. Right? So you're just saying that's a generation of uh, innovation. It's just born at the right time. I would put it this way. Were you born in 55? 57. So oh, you're a little years. late. <laughs> a little, but then not too far. That's yep. the thing. Um, at that time, what I overlooked was uh, we were saying, okay, Everything is a given, should be naturally, that's what we study. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing that's a great opportunity, I didn't see that part. Yep. To this day, I still regret. I see. Um, and so uh, what did you do after school? Uh, then I uh, went to Microsoft Research. What was that like? Uh, that's in 92, doing operating systems. And later on, uh, I moved on to uh, Internet Explorer, which is the browser. I was the 10th employee of Microsoft uh, IE. And from there, we moved on naturally uh, going to design.net. What, what was Microsoft research like? like? What was that culture like? Well, it's a very open. At that time, 92 was very, very uh, small. Because uh, actually, uh, Xerox Park, IBM Yorktown Heights, and uh, AT&T Bell Labs were the better known ones. And uh, uh, no one really... Um, want to go to Microsoft to do research at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I ended up there uh, just also by some uh, accidents because of uh, I was from China. I couldn't be hired by IBM, AT&T, or Xerox Park. So uh, because it was a communist country, right? And uh, so uh, Microsoft was my only um, not chosen choice, but uh, uh, Looking back, I was really, really fortunate for sure you to ever, catch the wave of uh, the whole, uh, you know, Windows, uh, Internet, everything. For sure. You ever hang out with uh, Bill Gates or Steve Ballmer? I met a few times. What, uh, what are they like? Well, they're <laughs> Steve Ballmer's a very nice guy, actually. He's a nice guy? He is. And uh, Bill Gates, uh, nice to the employees, but kind of mean to executives. <laughs> <laughs> so he was nice to the employees, but mean to the executives. And any, uh, any funny stories that you have? Well, you know, at that time, because Microsoft was small, and uh, all new hires got a chance to eat dinner at, Mac- at uh, Bill Gates' house. Wow. At that time. And uh, so I remember I went, right? Because... The reason I went is because I want to see he was the richest guy in the world already at that time, 92. And uh, so I was fascinated, you know, we just, okay, go to the richest guy's uh, home and have dinner. And uh, was very, very moderate. And uh, the very first question, you know, our co-new hires asked, asking Bill was, is, is it really your home? <laughs> <laughs> so he was the richest guy in the world in 1992, and you guys go to his house, and no one believed it was his house because it was hardly so- any furniture. Wow! And also, it's an old house. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But he, but like, I think that's part of the beauty of him, right? The Warren Buffets of the world, etc., is that yeah. uh, they don't care about the material things, right? And also, uh, I also appreciate, uh, you know, uh, his mother did so much for United Way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we follow suits, and uh, we helped uh, contribute to the uh, to the cause. That's awesome. Um, all right. So uh, at some point, you moved to China, and you lived there for uh, what last like twenty years or so. Yeah, I returned back uh, to China in year two thousand uh, after 
we designed, we started the project called .NET, which I'll mention because .NET meaning we're going to design a operating system for the network instead of designing an operating system for the computer, for, mm -hmm. uh, for a device, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is really my passion because I believe that's the real solution to solve the internet uh, uh, virus issues, uh, DDoS attack mm -hmm. issues, uh, the piracy issues. But uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we started, we, we have that dream, 99, which is tw literally 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, which until today, it's still not uh, uh, being accepted by the community. For sure. Where uh, did you live in China? Uh, I live in Shanghai. In Shanghai. What's that like right now? Well, it's uh, <laughs> for the past 20 years, it's uh, improved so much. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a very modern metropolitan now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with it, all the neon lights and stuff. It, it, and uh, I've never been, but the photos I've seen, uh, it kind of looks a little bit like Las Vegas or or like uh, Times Square. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, maybe more lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so, what what's the um, the current situation uh, on like the geopolitical front, right? So you've got, uh, I think, here in the West, most people are educated mm -hmm. uh, by the mainstream media. The mainstream media has a very kind of specific. Uh, perspective of China, uh, both at, at the technology industry, but also kind of the uh, political stuff that's going on. Sure, you lived there; you were on the yeah. ground. Like, like, what was your general take in terms of how do the citizens interact with the government, and then how does uh, technology companies um, and engineers play into all of that? Well, the uh, Chinese employees, right, engineers, they worked really extremely hard mm -hmm. because of uh, uh, they have this mentality, you know, because for the 30 years ago was a, a relatively poor country, uh, open up, and if you see what, what it has today, uh, it's catching up really, really fast because of uh, the engineers working, they call it uh, uh, 996. 996? So yeah, basically they work from nine to nine for six days a week. Wow. That's what it is, right? From and, nine uh, to nine, six days a week. That's yeah, the work ethic. Yeah, yeah. A I'm lot of uh, companies require, or you know, most of the employees, yeah. Uh, work that hard. It, it is. Um, th there's a gentleman in uh, Silicon Valley. I'm going to forget who uh, who wrote it, um, but they wrote a op-ed here in America, and they basically uh, were uh, pretty blatantly saying that uh, China is outworking the United States, right? By working and, hours, yes. And and they were talking about this idea of um, one, the amount of work, right, in terms of the hours. Uh, two, a lot of people were actually living in um, like kind of company-sponsored um, uh, facilities, right? Mm -hmm. So almost like dorm rooms, if you will, especially the younger engineers and things like that. Uh, and, and they were basically just talking about like, you know, America can't get comfortable, right? And and if you want innovation, there still has to be hard work involved with it. Uh, and if you go and you look at other places in the world, they may not have the same perspective we do in terms of work-life balance, you know, all these kind of things that are popular in the U.S. now. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily popular everywhere in the world, and it leads to very different kind of work cultures. Yeah, I, I believe in the way uh, that saying is true because of uh, uh, for the first generation, like uh, me being the first generation immigrants, we work uh, harder than most of the uh, the native-borns, mm -hmm. right? But uh, let's say even in China, the second generation, especially the one-child policy, the kids tend to be more spoiled. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if this kind of mentality will last, but ah. definitely for the time being, right, that's the case. Got it. And, and so right now it's true, but demographics can change and, and things right. can, can definitely evolve. But, but um, it, it's interesting to think through uh, and then what is the um, kind of the, the whole blockchain in China situation, right? Because it the, seems like that changes quite often. Right. Actually, I was uh, surprised uh, on the uh, October 24th and actually made an announcement on 25th uh, that, uh, you know, the government will go uh, full throttle on blockchain, which is a little uh, uh, surprised everyone. Uh, but looking at it, it's not uh, quite... Uh, out of the blue because of, uh, there's a saying, right? Uh, you know, China is a big government instead of a, a, a smaller government in the United States. A bar big government meaning it has a lot of power, resources. And absolute power implies absolute corruption, mm -hmm. which is true everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, in a way, uh, the Chinese uh, employees or the government are very uh, efficient because even for government officials, they work 
uh, Saturdays. You call them up, they come uh, to have business meetings. Really? Right. So they don't really take a weekend off. Uh, but on the other hand, given the power, uh, there are indeed some corruptions, uh, red tape, and everywhere because mm -hmm. of, let's say, a uh, lot of so many uh, so-called state-owned enterprises, not mm -hmm. just necessarily government per se, but let's say a state-owned enterprise, high-speed rail, power grid, you know, those mm -hmm. companies are huge, like a million employees, two million employees. Wow. And also, if the CEO cannot fire the uh, the county level let's say a power uh, supplier then where's those uh, efficiency or mm -hmm. where you know there's a corruption because of they can turn off your power you know asking for you know bribing state sanctioned mafias <laughs> uh, so then you can see if they do have blockchain and keep track of provenance and recording of the documents then I do believe that'll uh, uh, streamline a lot of those uh, red tapes. Got it. And, and it sounds like they're not only interested in just um, cryptocurrencies, but also in, in blockchain for a whole bunch of different applications. Uh, but the one here in the U.S. that's really, I think, caught people's attention is this uh, DCEP, right? The, the digital currency. What's yeah. your thoughts there? Uh, the digital currency and uh, electronic payment. If mm. you've been to China for Alipay, uh, Tencent Pay, uh, like WeChat Pay, right? Uh, almost everywhere, mm -hmm. and uh, and this is just people use their mobile phones to pay. Right. Basically, uh, when I was uh, uh, when, I, when when we were in China, it's a cashless mm -hmm. society now. Basically, you go anywhere. You don't you don't need to bring your wallet. Mm -hmm. You just bring your phone. That's all uh, there is to it. Amazing. Yeah, very very efficient. You pay peer to peer. You pay you know, all the vendors. Uh, so given that uh, that's the, uh, the case, right, and uh, the government asks uh, uh, the electronic payments to replace the, uh, the paper bills, mm -hmm. then they're promoting something like uh, in the airplane where there's no uh, Wi-Fi signal, no uh, mobile signal, you can still shake your phone and uh, pay peer-to-peer -peer with airdrop your, uh, your virtual money. Yeah. Right. So then basically they don't promote uh, uh, cryptos. They promote uh, something. You trust me, you trust the state owned banks to have consortium chains. Then we're issuing uh, they're issuing those uh, crypto uh, currency. Right. To replace the not really replace to uh, kind of uh, like augment augments or uh, the uh, the Alipay on, and we yeah. pay. So. I buy that it's way more efficient, right? I buy that it can really help uh, the user experience, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the downside, though, is uh, it could increase like the surveillance and, and the ability for um, whether it's the government or private enterprises to see what citizens are doing. Is that part of the conversation in China That's now? not necessarily or? has that anything to do with cryptos. Mm -hmm. If you've been to China, you see Solon's cameras almost... It's pretty uh, crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. But then that's really, uh, it's a different issue. It's mm -hmm. not related to the, uh, the blockchains. Yeah. It, when, and part of my question is really, uh, is that part of the conversation, right? Like, do citizens realize that? Or uh, are most citizens yeah. just, this is what I grew up in, this is all I know, and so it's normal? Uh, of course, uh, all citizens are aware of you. If you just open your eyes, right, you see uh, <laughs> cameras. So then... Asian culture is uh, uh, somewhat different from the uh, Western culture mm -hmm. because of uh, if you go to Japan, you go to Korea, go to China, uh, they all tend to be uh, overcrowded historically for thousands of years. And uh, so then kind of uh, uh, they live uh, on the religious, they have a commune, you know, mm -hmm. one helping the other, more like... Uh, group they have sense of group mm -hmm. instead of more individualism you know like uh, being a, a one person like last blood you know who can one person rambo could save the world that's sure. kind of a different mentality for sure um as you think about this uh you eventually moved on and started uh, elastos what was the first time you ever saw blockchain or bitcoin or crypto like, like how did you uh, initially get interested in it well, actually, I started, I, I went back to China, started this network OS. Mm -hmm. As I said, I quit Microsoft 
for one single simple reason, because Microsoft at that time decided to do a network OS, which I full-heartedly believe. And, but on the other hand, at that time, they want to do it in C-sharp, like a Java equivalent, intermediate language, which uh, uh, I don't believe. I want it to be more fundamental. I want to do it in native CPU instructions. Mm -hmm. So then, because uh, it's a different level of uh, abstraction, I believe computer science has to go down to the metal, go down to the CPU level. Mm -hmm. um, that was the reason I went back to set up my own operating system venture and uh, trying to design a network OS. And one thing lead to another. By 2012, I got some investment from Foxconn, which is- Oh, uh, from Foxconn. Foxconn, which is one of the biggest uh, 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 companies in the world, right? They make 100% uh, of the iPhones mm -hmm. assembly. Uh, blue collar workers assemble all the iPhones, iPads, and, and also like a Kindle, um, ebooks and stuff. Um, Foxconn does a lot of research as well, even though it's overshadowed by the workers. So at that time, I got some funding from them doing the uh, industrial IoT, doing the smart home OS. So then we can make uh, smart homes uh, uh, safer and uh, uh, protect uh, the encryption, uh, protect the privacy of uh, citizens, right, uh, or the users. Um, but uh, in uh, around the uh, end of uh, uh, 2016, 2017, we run into some uh, issues. So I have to find alternative uh, uh, investments. There I found uh, uh, blockchain because of, uh, for two things. One is uh, because of the Ethereum at that point and also uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, price went up uh, like crazy, everyone learned the term. And also uh, people start to do uh, raise funds using those uh, uh, cryptos. So when I was looking for funding, uh, definitely that's something caught my eye. And uh, when I study uh, those uh, crypto projects, right, and especially a lot of those uh, uh, so-called smart contract-based uh, blockchain projects that talk about uh, uh, apps, they talk about uh, ecosystems, and then, and also when I uh, researched uh, on YouTube and what is uh, Ethereum in one sentence, and the founder of Ethereum saying that's a world computer, right? Mm -hmm. So those term jargons caught my eye because of uh, what's a computer. Mm -hmm. I've been doing computers all my life, and we started from paper tapes, a core memory uh, back in China, so which is really, really the fundamental old uh, machine. And we've been doing ecosystems as a trained uh, Microsoft uh, operating system designer or architect. Because uh, when you talk about uh, Android, when you talk about uh, iPhone, what do you say? You, you know, basically they build ecosystems, mm -hmm. right? They build apps. So then I would uh, study more about what is a world computer, what is a DAP, what is a, a ecosystem. Then I realized uh, the blockchain world um, well, they are, um, they are very innovati innovative, but on the other hand, they are lacking of some fundamentals uh, because of they are not trained to be the, uh, the designer of a, a computer or a ecosystem. So that's where I find uh, we have uh, a chance. Got it. And so what is Elastos today? Elastos, uh, just by name of it, right? Uh, Elastic Compute. Elastic, Elastic Compute, okay, Elastic Compute, uh, uh, actually, I named it uh, in 2002. Okay. And uh, Amazon came up, uh, uh, coincidentally, Elastic Compute, 2006. Got it. What is Elastic Compute? Elastic Compute meaning virtual machines all over, instead of physical machines. Mm -hmm. Basically, you spawn, you, uh, you create virtual machines on demand. Mm -hmm. Instead of, because making a hard, uh, a hardware computer, it takes resources, takes time. But if you make virtual computers on demand, which is uh, 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 setting up us in a completely different uh, level, right? And uh, so Elastos, uh, according, because we've been working on this uh, uh, virtual machine for uh, since 2002, we've been working on this uh, smart home network 
since 2012. And uh, all we need is uh, another really key piece of puzzle missing, which is the blockchain. Mm. Give us the decentralized IDs, give us the decentralized everything, so then we can build a decentralized uh, web. Mm-hmm. And so Elastos is literally Elastic OS, kind of putting those two words together? Yeah. Got it. Um, and so when you get started, uh, what was kind of the original idea in terms of what you could build? Was it one single product? Was it to go after the whole ecosystem? Like, how did you think about it? At that time, we were going after the network computer. Okay. But, that, but in year 2000, network meaning the local air network. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a, a room of... Uh, 100 employees with 100 PCs, can you manage them as a, uh, as a whole? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at uh, the autonomous driving in a Mercedes bank uh, uh, vehicle, modern vehicle, uh, there are about 100 uh, CPUs built in, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, the, are they 100 C, uh, uh, computers or are they just a single computer on four wheels? Mm-hmm. So that's different perspective. And uh, the one computer perspective have uh, a better control over the uh, uh, controlling security, controlling the uh, virus issues. Yeah, that's uh, when we started. Got it. Um, And so when you get started, uh, one of the things I've heard you talk about in the past is this idea of like a smart web, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe talk us through how uh, you define smart web um, and how that differs from that WWW web that we all know. And a lot of people uh, in the uh, blockchain world talk about the value internet, saying the old internet is the information internet. I think uh, there's a guy called Don uh, Tapscott who gave a TED talk, right? He summed it up as uh, uh, the old internet, everything you share is a copy. You share uh, on Facebook a photo that's a copy of the photo. And uh, the value internet, if I give you a Bitcoin, then I don't have it anymore. So that uh, has a scarcity, which is the, uh, uh, of value. And then, but then on the other hand, uh, uh, the community is short uh, from saying, if you give me a token, usually for a trade, for goods, and currently the goods you trade are offline goods. Can you trade online virtual digital assets, mm-hmm. right? People are talking about uh, building a virtual economy, so then you can trade, protect user data and trade user data. But trade user data, that's where we come in. If I give you a user data, the last internet giving you a copy, which a lot of piracy, and doesn't have much vi- value, even though you can keep the provenance, you can record this, uh, barcode or digital signature of the file on the blockchain, mm-hmm. but you cannot protect the uh, piracy or virus, then really uh, you still don't have much value mm-hmm. for the digital assets. To send a uh, digital asset, you have to send code. You cannot just send a file being played by a media player, mm-hmm. right? So if you sign a binary code over, the binary runs and validates itself and check the blockchain, do you still own it? Let's say if I send you a binary code, which is my encrypted my personal data, right? I send it to you. And uh, if I sold it to you, you run it. I still have a copy on my hard drive if I run it. And they say, okay, Ron, you don't have the uh, right anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's where when you share uh, value, uh, value internet, really you're sharing code. Mm-hmm. When you have the uh, information internet, right, that's www. When you run sharing code, we call it a smart web. Smartphone meaning the phone that runs apps. The internet runs apps are the smart web. Got it. And so that's smart web. Um, talk to me about, is it decentralized? Is it not decentralized? Like how, how do you think about building it, right? Because you, you described what the functionality of it is, uh, but, but how do you think about actually building something like that? We are, actually, I'm glad you asked. We're really, really close because we're going to, we have pretty much got everything built. The last uh, big missing piece would be the browser and the website. 
the browser will be released uh, first week of January. Mm -hmm. So basically in three weeks, we're going to release the browser. Uh, basically reminding me of uh, 93 when the Mosaic browser was released Mark in January. Andreessen. Uh, Mark Andreessen. Mm -hmm. That's January of 93. Throughout 93, uh, basically the University of Illinois uh, set up the, uh, the WWW web mm -hmm. uh, at that point. So we're really, really close from uh, uh, shipping the uh, smart web browser. But but in, before we get to the browser, there's um, kind of three levels, as I understand, in terms of the uh, the stack of what you guys have right. built. Um, going after this idea of the smart web uh, allows you to send value or, or code uh, rather than the information web or www. What are those three um, kind of layers, if you will, to what you guys have already built? Because I think that framework uh, at least it helps me understand better as to you know why you think the smart web is so important. And the fundamental layer we do like a ELA token, that's the token we issued, uh, merge mine with Bitcoin, meaning the uh, Bitcoin miners, when they update the software from Bitmain, actually they could uh, merge mine. Basically, you don't uh, spend extra power, you, mern, you, 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 you mine uh, both ELA and BTC. Okay, so ex time. explain this concept, because I don't think a lot of people have heard this before. Merge mining is, I'm a miner, I bought uh, some hardware from Bitmain right. or whoever, uh, I t plug in my equipment, mm -hmm. I get the internet hooked up, I get it ready to go, I start mining Bitcoin. Right. Where do you come into that? H how do I... Basically, you configure that software, because it's uh, the feature, uh, the latest feature is uh, built in now. Okay. So then you turn it on, then you can get an extra some... Uh, tokens. Got it. And and am I when I'm mining on the Bitcoin blockchain and I'm validating those transactions and I'm securing the Bitcoin network, what am I doing on uh, on your end? There's a set product. You also uh, secure uh, the ELA uh, main chain and also mining the ELA tokens at the same time, right? Currently, there are about uh, more than 50% of the Bitcoin miners also mine ELA tokens. Oh, we, really? Yeah, which make us uh, the third uh, most powerful uh, main chain in the world, mm -hmm. the hash power wise. And, and that hash power is uh, approximately 50% of Bitcoin miners are not only just securing and validating the Bitcoin chain, but they're also doing um, yours as well. Yeah, uh, when we step in into your office, uh, we just checked that uh, was a 52%. 52%, wow. Yeah. I, that, I didn't know that. That's a very big yeah. number, actually. It is a big, big number. So the reason why we have that main chain is because uh, everyone believes in uh, Bitcoin and it's not being controlled. Mm -hmm. And uh, given that main chain, you know, we uh, merge mine with Bitcoin, so we, uh, we gain the trust. Right, uh, of course, uh, high confidence. No one. I mean, I wouldn't say no one. Very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and and what I think you guys have done here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you've essentially said uh, Bitcoin's miners make it incredibly secure and make it incredibly decentralized uh, right. in nature. And so, if we are able to uh, incentivize or kind of um, go along with those same miners, then we'll be secure and we'll be decentralized as well. And so, you're kind of rooting the decentralization and security of your Correct. blockchain in with the uh, the folks that are mining and validating the Bitcoin. Blockchain. Right, and also we give uh, the Bitcoin miners a higher calling because uh, they are helping us to secure the new internet. Mm -hmm. Right. So new internet, what's the value of a new internet? Of course, uh, if you look at the old WWW web, uh, there's no IDs. So everyone could fake uh, everyone else uh, or impersonate or being a dog, you don't know. Um, so given the uh, uh, decentralized ID, so on top of this uh, main chain, we're building decentralized IDs. Uh, currently, the uh, Elastos decentralized ID is W3C compliant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so given those IDs and also giving the main chain so we can encrypt messages peer-to-peer. Mm -hmm. -peer. Well, okay, so hold on. So you got the merge mining with Bitcoin, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of that foundational layer. Then a second layer on top of that is this idea of a decentralized internet. Correct. Right, and internet involves identity and, and a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. But the idea is uh, you've got a blockchain, that blockchain is super secure. It is uh, decentralized because you're basically uh, riding along with uh, Bitcoin's blockchain in terms of using their their miners to help you. Right. 
you build a decentralized internet on top of that. Um, and then there's a third layer, which is more around kind of governance and consensus. Right. The, the second tier is uh, uh, actually it's a peer-to-peer -peer network. Okay. It's uh, very much like uh, a FaceTime or a Skype or uh, BT, BTorrent mm -hmm. or Napster to start it. But uh, all the old peer-to-peer -peer network, they have a central website, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so they're liable or they're controlling. Then can we make those uh, uh, central uh, website being decentralized, rooted back inversely to the blockchain, right? They used to have a governing website. Now yep. the, uh, it's kind of put it the other way around. The blockchain is what's The blockchain covered. is the, uh, the website. Mm -hmm. So it's not controlled by Apple or Microsoft. Got it. And uh, there's another notion from 92 saying the network is the computer from the inventor of Java programming language. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago, right? And uh, as I said, Microsoft.net was trying to do a, a operating system for the network computer. And uh, the second tier of our so-called carrier network or peer -to -peer, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network is literally building this uh, uh, new smart web computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have this computer is decentralized, but yet on top of it, there are users. Mm -hmm. uh, we hope to have billions of users, right? And uh, and also for this decentralized computer, we need administrators, right? This, uh, let's say uh, we decentralized exchange, who should be listed? Or when we have a new smart contracts or new governance model, algorithm, mm -hmm. should we kick that in? So it's more like uh, the first amendment or second amendment, you know, those communities, should we uh, run this? Mm -hmm. Let's say currently we have a 4% uh, inflation Every two minutes, we have uh, five more tokens uh, mined, right? Is that uh, a good number? 4%, is that too high, too low? Should uh, you know, the community mm -hmm. uh, make uh, a deep learning algorithm to adjust the uh, inflation rate? So definitely those are governed by uh, smart contracts or programs. Okay. And the, uh, the administrator, the consensus decides to kick that in. Right, that's the administrator of this uh, uh, smart web computer, mm -hmm. of and, this world computer. And who acts as the administrator? Currently, we are going to kick off this uh, election also by uh, the first week, uh, or by the end of this year, or by the first week of January. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there are 12 seats, so anybody is uh, welcome to run. Of course, you have to get the vote from the community, right? And uh, two-thirds of the council members and uh, vote will decide on whether we're kicking uh, another smart contract to run this community. Got it. Skirt, skirt. Want to know who has the best URL? Crypto.com. That's right, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, mother mass adoption. That's why we're all here. We're trying to get crypto in every wallet. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and card payment. Everything you could want at Crypto.com. Go help your boy out. Tell him Pomp sent you. Download the app or visit Crypto.com. Pomp's got you always. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry. Your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to CoinMine.com. You buy a CoinMine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right. You purchase it. It shows up at your doorstep. You pull it out of the box. You plug it in. Connect to your Wi-Fi. Five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide. And then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp set you, and thank me later. One more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out blockfi.com slash pomp. Again, blockfi.com slash pomp to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today.
And, and one of the things that um, I think you've talked a lot about is uh, you've got this merge mining, you've got this decentralized internet, and then you've got um, kind of the cyber republic uh, governance. Mm-hmm. But um, the decentralized internet services, right? That this idea of flipping decentralization, um, you know, in the crypto community, I think a lot of people talk about uh, these DApps, right? These decentralized mm-hmm. applications, and you know. It, they run around and they say, I've got a decentralized application. And I always joke that Jeff Bezos controls the entire decentralized application market because everyone's building on top of AWS. Correct. (laughs) So how decentralized can it actually be if you're just building on top of AWS? Basically, in my opinion, um, a app, first of all, let's go back to the app. Um, 84, when I first came to this country, at that point, Unix open sourced, Mm -hmm. right? Barely. Long time ago, 35 years ago. And uh, at that time, there was no distinction between system developer and the app developer because in 84, there's no, literally almost no applications. Like TCP IP is running in the user mode of Unix or Linux for that matter, right? But it's not really an uh, application in consumers' minds today. Because in consumers' minds, whatever runs on Android phone, on iPhone, that's an app. TCP IP is part of the system. But Unix or Linux doesn't really distinguish whether you are a system programmer versus application programmer. Kind of intertwined, mixed. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see a lot of viruses because application pretend to be the system and Take, you know, taking advantage of the loopholes and uh, shortcomings, then they uh, you know, steal user data, right? Then if we're saying Elastos computer, we build virtual machine. So that's another layer. The virtual machine runs apps. Apps mm-hmm. runs inside virtual machine. Below virtual machine, above kernel, that's called a system software, mm-hmm. which does not exist 35 years ago. Okay. But today, which is so obvious, right? And uh, if you look at a lot of blockchain projects, they're basically still using the old uh, uh, web, using the old uh, Linux, because they just do the recording of the hash on a smart contract or on a blockchain. But on the other hand, it's uh, also all the lot programming logic is running on the website. Mm-hmm. If Amazon shuts the uh, website down, or some virus attacked uh, like a D, dyn.com, right? Or the DNS resolution attack. Then the whole internet got uh, uh, broken, then everything shuts down. Um, so if any app that can be manipulated by a third party shuts down the uh, website, which is not an app because if you've sent uh, $10,000 on a kitty, mm-hmm. but then if the website uh, run out of business, then the kitty is not running anymore. Mm-hmm. So basically, there, there's uh, failure points, right? There's this huh. idea that the website uh, is a centralized point of failure. That if somebody's able to shut down that website, you don't have the portal into Correct. a decentralized world, Correct. And, and therefore there's a problem. Right. So then, in that sense, it's not the DAP can still be manipulated, can still be shut down, mm-hmm. right? Even though the smart contracts mm-hmm. cannot be shut down, but the app, the DAP can be shut down. Yep. And uh, so then that's the, uh, when I study the, uh, the dApps, the ecosystem, or the world computer, that's actually, I realized that's a big, big uh, uh, loophole. Mm-hmm. So we need to uh, fix. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Elastos come in and uh, building the carrier network. And uh, without letting, um, currently, like the first tier is uh, uh, Bitcoin miners. Mm-hmm. The second tier actually is a deposit. Uh, Machines, the deposit, right? If uh, you run a uh, machine in Amazon Cloud, in Alibaba Clouds, Microsoft Azure Clouds, you were there. You are there just for a simple reason, for rewards. Mm-hmm. And you run a virtual machine. You don't even know what's running in the virtual machine, mm-hmm. on the Docker, right? So those are the actually waiting for tasks, waiting for jobs. The job could be hosting a web service of a website. And uh, so then the programmer of the website cannot control the machine which runs the website. 
Because if you see today's website, it's written and operated by the same party. Mm-hmm. Then the website should be written by one party and operated by different parties. What's the downside of that? So I, I see the, the upside or the advantage, right? Mm-hmm. What's the downside? I don't really see a downside. That's really a great step forward mm-hmm. because of we really should uh, separate them. Mm-hmm. And, and really what this does is it adds this uh, sense of uh, decentralization so that uh, you don't have the same parties controlling the entire stack, kind of the vertical integration of the services. Now you get more of a fragmented uh, approach in this decentralized internet services. Uh, is there any loss of efficiencies or anything like that? Or you, you feel like everything it still kind of works how it's supposed to work? It should work out as supposed to work a li- little bit because of if you have website, right? Uh, of course, uh, it's a little bit more efficient. But given the uh, current internet, given the fiber optics in and out of homes, given the uh, virtual machines, because uh, virtual machine itself lose some performance mm-hmm. from uh, the naked hardware. Yep. But then given the, uh, the current uh, state of art hardware, right? Because humans don't evolve that fast. We can watch a movie, uh, you know, 50, uh, 60 uh, fr- frames or 30 frames per second. And uh, 60 frames giving you a very smooth uh, feeling. But after 50 frames, you don't really feel <laughs> anymore. But the computers evolve. Mm-hmm. So then given the current state of art hardware, the virtual machine layer lost some performance, let's say 10%, 20%, it's uh, acceptable. Mm-hmm. And also... The other side, uh, to put it, is um, if the websites without a fixed IP addresses, it's very hard to for the DNS resolution attack, for the middleman attack, mm-hmm. or spreading viruses. All those issues are gone, right? Mm-hmm. In return, you know, lost some performance, but gain so much. Yeah. And, and so if I'm a developer and I want to go build um, in this ecosystem or build these uh, truly decentralized applications, um, I really have to think about, you know, what's the application I'm building? How do I prevent there being a centralized website? How do I actually look at um, what cloud or, or hardware I'm using on the, on the server side? Like there, there's a lot of different uh, levels of complexity and um, um, kind of nuance here. Mm-hmm. How are people learning about this, right? Because it feels like most engineers grew up in a world where everything was centralized. That's how they were taught. Where do you see that education happening and how are people kind of learning about building in this, in this new decentralized world? Well, a lot of people, um, because of, uh, as I said, Unix was from like early Mm eighties and, uh, basically the most, a lot of young programmers, they were born without seeing something different. (laughs) Let's see windows and uh, Linux, right. For the whole life. Uh, whole young life. And uh, so first of all, the hard part is a change of mentality mm-hmm. to be more open-minded. But on the other hand, given my background, because of right now, in those years, 1980s, the uh, TCP IP and the operating system, they are interwined. So if you look at today, all the internet gaming, all those um, applications who deal with internet, they have to, application programmers have to deal with internet themselves mm-hmm. to open up a socket and to send network uh, uh, packets. And also if uh, a consumer lost their password, you know, they blame on the users, right? Saying, okay, why don't you pick, uh, 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 select a stronger password? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, uh, if we're separating applications from the network, if we're separating using the DID and uh, keep track of the additional signatures and the user own their own data, they don't have to re- remember their password anymore and the developers doesn't have to uh, deal with network anymore, the programming would be much, much easier to write mm-hmm. because they don't really have to think of those uh, so-called uh, transactions or, or uh, internet timing issues, those ones are handled by the system. Mm -hmm. And so as you think through this, what's the end goal? Like, like, okay, everything that you're saying ends up getting built, it works. Where do we end up? What does that like final stage look like? Uh, I'll sum it up in two uh, ways. Okay. Uh, Technically speaking, now, because... People are saying IT industry evolved so fast for the past uh, 70 years. 
And uh, finally, we're at the stage, the IT industry in terms of what's network, what's programming model, what's an operating system. Uh, we're maturing, finally. Mm -hmm. And uh, we name it the uh, E-Lastos, E-Lastos, meaning there's no more, literally. If you look at, uh, we're not really bragging, because if you look at the Windows, Windows 10, no more Windows 11. Mm -hmm. That's uh, according to Microsoft. No more Windows 11, meanings Windows 10 forever. When we do name, when I name it, the last OS in 2002, we kind of anticipated no more new operating systems because this is an operating system for the network. How can I force the, uh, the peripherals, let's say the uh, TV screen in your room to update uh, the device driver when I came in? Because the next speaker, should you download the, 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 the device driver? Mm -hmm. If you have web services all over the world, how can you force those web services to upgrade or downgrade according to your OS? Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you are the ecosystem, right? And uh, people, species live and die. There's no single point we uh, upgrade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Of, of a machine, right? Of, of the network. You upgrade machine, but you don't upgrade the whole network. So that's why when we design a network OS, it has to be the network of forever, mm -hmm. right? That's technically. For the uh, consumers, when we finally could have this kind of trading peer-to-peer, -to -peer, token for goods, and uh, that's a new economy. Because the old web, everything's owned by cartels. All the books, all the movies. I mean, God forbid if Amazon out of business, all my e-books right, are gone. It's not like the old books I can put on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. I own them. I can give it to friends. But my e-books, I cannot give it or resell it. If we could have this peer-to-peer -peer trading of digital assets, that's kind of a... Uh, private ownership or capitalism for the first time on the internet. Mm -hmm. That's a huge. For sure. How does identity play into this? Right. You, you, you've mentioned a couple of times, it's like decentralized web uh, and identity. Where does that play in? Well, decentralized app, because on this new internet, we need to have some sort of identity because mm -hmm. I know when I ha I'm chatting, who I'm chatting with. Mm -hmm. Does it have right? to be my real identity? No, because uh, uh, that's another thing. Uh, if you look at it today, I just mentioned the passwords. If you look at your uh, driver's license, mm -hmm. it has a driver license number. It all has your birthday. It has your gender. It has a lot of more information. But which is, again, not enough if you want to travel abroad. You need a passport. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to go to a hospital, you need some more, a, a different set of uh, uh, IDs. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you want to anonymous. Sometimes you want to be real name. Mm -hmm. So then a ID, meaning just a cryptic uh, hash, right, 256 in, in length, the digit. Then given that, you have multiple uh, profiles. Okay. And then so you want to sign in with your real name uh, profile or you want to sign in with your, your alias or you want to – then it's up to you. But Nevertheless, you sign with your, your private keys. If you sign, you give information, let's say if you log into Facebook uh, or some other apps, you log in with Facebook ID credential. Mm -hmm. Then, I'm, again, what I'm saying is, uh, in theory, Facebook could impersonate you, mm -hmm. right? Maybe they don't, but then they could. They're saying, okay. You're, you're trusting Facebook, the you're centralized Facebook. company, to use your credentials only when you've said use my credentials for websites that you've said it. But at any point, they could go in. To log into the other apps which yep. use uh, a Facebook login. Yep. Correct. And, uh, but for the DID, just given the number, given your gender, your name to Facebook, the Facebook still does not have your uh, private key. Mm -hmm. So it cannot impersonate you to log into some other websites. Got it. And so what you're talking about is uh, I create an identity 
and that identity has almost multiple layers to it. So uh, I want to act anonymous. I want to act pseudonymous. Mm -hmm. I have pseudonymity for multiple, you know, services or, or various verticals. Then I've got my real identity with minimal information shared. I've got my real identity, um, you know, with a lot of information shared. And then I've got kind of full blown. Here's everything I got that's real. All of those different types of identities play into various aspects of my life or services I use. Sure. But I'm in control of choosing which one I use. Yes, because if I if you tell me your name, right, mm -hmm. I'll validate through your public key, which mm -hmm. is public information. I know you're the only one you could sign it off. Mm hmm. So that's sense. really, really critical to this new internet. Yeah, and and some of this too is um, th there's a lot in crypto. I think where people are trying to solve some of these problems around, um, you know, one of the examples I always use is uh, these like zero knowledge proofs, right? This whole idea of if you go into a bar and uh, I show you my ID, all you need to know is am I 21 or not? You actually mm -hmm. don't even need to know how old I am, right? But instead, I just showed you my name, my address, you know, all all these different things. Well. In the future, there will be some way to just say thumbs up, yes, 21 or yeah. over, thumbs down, no. That is very simplistic, right, in terms mm -hmm. of how identification uh, is used in a scenario. But that same type of mechanism applies almost every single time you use ID, right? How many times do you go somewhere and people say, you know, show me your driver's license? Sure. But it's not for driving. They just want to know that that's really you, right? A photo and a name. <laughs> um, and, and what cracks me up is uh, if you've ever gone to the airport or the bank or anything and they say, show it to me, uh, if you have a photo where, you know, you had a shaved head and now you have hair or mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, you, you used to have a beard and now you don't. The person doesn't know, right? They're just they're just happy that someone has an ID that kind of sort of looks like the person, right. and, uh, and then they approve it, which probably isn't the most secure thing yeah. to uh, to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but ID is only a uh, uh, very uh, it's only one part of the story, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, that's why we build this new smart web. It's not just the ID, but also given your ID, given the uh, the wallet, given the uh, the the, the capability to run those virtual machines so you can conduct business. Mm -hmm. You can do something, mm -hmm. right? How, um, g give us kind of a status update of how things are going, right? So, so we understand how it works now. Um, any milestones or data that you can share in terms of how it's going? Uh, yeah, uh, so far this project has been uh, uh, around uh, uh, two and a half years. We started in August two, uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started to uh, we, we, we started uh, the main chain in December of uh, 2017, and then uh, August of 2018 we started merge mining, mm -hmm. and also we implemented the first versions of uh, DID. Currently, we are trying to do the second incarnation, which is uh, W3C compliant, mm -hmm. and uh, we are uh, we have already pretty much finished uh, the peer-to-peer -peer decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, we have around uh, more than 200,000 nodes running the peer-to-peer -peer network, which is not the blockchain peer-to-peer, -peer, which is the uh, really does the all the heavy lifting. We, we, we call it decentralized carrier because it does all the logistics, mm -hmm. like uh, AT&T, Verizon does all this uh, data uh, transformation or the video voice transformation. And also on top of it, we're going to build a, uh, virtual phones, virtual machines, right? Launch them on demand. So then that's where the, the first one would be the browser. The second one would be uh, some micro websites running on top, on top of those uh, uh, set of boxes. Mm -hmm. 200,000 of them right now running. So we'll have some of them being the docking stations and uh, which is, uh, we'll start from uh, early January next year. And we expect uh, 2020 would be exciting year like uh, 1993 all over again. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I think for the entire industry, uh, 2020 and 2021 are going to be um, worth paying attention to for sure. Where, um, Before I get into the rapid fire questions, where can people find more about Elastos and find you on the internet, on, uh, on the centralized a, internet? There's a elastos.org. Okay. And then there's a cyberrepublic.org. And then for developers, there's a elastos.academy. Mm -hmm. So they can find all the technical... Um, specifications uh, right. and stuff and uh yeah got it training courses as well very cool uh what about yourself where, where can people find you well find me online 
But also, uh, we, I personally, um, if I came to this country in uh, 84, I was not a teenager <laughs> at that time. I was doing grass, gra graduate studies. Uh -huh. So uh, um, I tried to, because this, we are going to build a new internet next year, early next year, starting early next year, right? So the internet definitely is beyond one person. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really happy and feel relieved the team really is uh, doing decentralized, we have decentralized teams all over the world, and they're self-motivated to build this new world. And uh, so me, I, my role is uh, kind of getting smaller and smaller, mm -hmm. diminished uh, throughout the year. So I kind of uh, plan for myself, uh, we promised to the community because one, uh, for four years to build this uh, new internet when we started in August 2017. So I'll be around until at least August 2021. Are you planning an exit? Are you going to uh, leave? Then, well, I would uh, think uh, Satoshi would be a good uh, role model. Got it. Very, very interesting. Um, rapid fire questions. What, uh, what's the most important company in crypto other than your own? Uh, well, I think uh, Ethereum is, uh, we learned a lot. Why, why Ethereum? Uh, because of uh, the world computer and also the smart contracts. Currently, we do have uh, the sidechain mm -hmm. uh, running, uh, the Ethereum sidechain running on top of uh, Elastos. We're oh. beta. Almost all, I mean, all the older versions of Ethereum EVM, mm -hmm. all of the smart contracts are running. So I wish to uh, thank, uh, give, give our thanks to uh, Ethereum community. Very cool. Uh, what's the one regulation or law that you would change or improve if you could, either here or abroad? Well, I think uh, in the U.S., of course, is more uh, of so-called uh, bragged about uh, legal. You know, everything is according to law. So many lawyers and so many uh, things, right? And uh, crypto is a new thing, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope uh, the uh, the Congress uh, folks should be more open-minded. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, what's your most controversial thought in crypto? Like, what do you believe that everyone else disagrees with you on? I don't believe uh, blockchains can create a ecosystem by its own. Okay, explain. They that. need a second second tier, because uh, the blockchain for performance for basically a blockchain is one computer. Mm -hmm. Whether you call it world computer, it doesn't really matter. One computer won't solve internet problems. Internet meaning a network of computers, right? So anybody trying to build an ecosystem or dApps on one blockchain is bound to fail. I think that's pretty controversial. <laughs> uh, what's the most important book you've ever read? Well, I read uh, like uh, Daoism books, teachings, or Shakespeare when I was in college to impress girls, and I still believe <laughs> that's important. You read Shakespeare to impress girls in college? What was your favorite book? Well, uh, all those, uh, I read them all, put it this way. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, aliens, you believe? Are they real? Uh, I, uh, I'm agnostic uh, either way. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You can't take an agnostic position. You either believe or you don't believe. What do you think? Well, I don't really believe. You don't believe. But I do believe, a lot of people believe that uh, inspired us, right? Okay. To pursue. So you think that aliens probably aren't real, but the promise that they may be out there inspired us to go look. Right, because let's say going out of space and doing yep. a lot of scientific uh, uh, research, that's important, but I personally don't necessarily believe it's there, right? Okay, then, why? It's uh, I mean, similar to uh, the way we grow up. A mm -hmm. um, lot of those uh, uh, stories or teachings uh, and I won't go explicit and turn out, right? It's, uh, I don't believe. Oh, so you think aliens are like a religion? No, basically. no, 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 no. <laughs> but then the, the way we grow, grow up, yep. right? A lot of things we were taught. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then on the other hand, it doesn't really stop us from, uh, come to the U.S., come, you know, to study, mm -hmm. to keep on driving ourselves. For sure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you think we went to the moon? Definitely. Okay. All right. Just checking. <laughs> um, and then uh, I always end with uh, you getting to ask me one question. What uh, what one question do you have for me? 
if you get to meet the uh, alien or Satoshi, which one do you pick? Oh, if I got to meet alien or Satoshi, uh, definitely alien. I, I actually, I actually think um, we are much better off not knowing who Satoshi is. Uh, I hope we never find out uh-huh. who he, she, or they is. Um, I think part of the uh, beauty and strength of uh, Bitcoin is the fact that uh, we don't know who that person is, right, or that group of people. Um, and so I don't want to be the person who ruins it, I <laughs> frankly. See, I see. I uh, would think, you know, it's fascinating to tell for him to tell the life story. Why? He yes. Ended. So, so That'd like, really if, if they revealed themselves, mm-hmm. uh, then I think there'd be a ton of really cool things to find out. Right. But uh, I want nothing to do with being the one to reveal All if right. uh, put in that position. And also, like go grab a beer with an alien, right? And I got a lot of questions for, for the alien. <laughs> like we start with like, how, where are you from and how long did it take to get here <laughs> would be uh, would be two at the top of the list. But if you see the how far the telescope, uh, those uh, gigantic uh, telescope uh, have 30, you know, millions of, uh, I don't know, it may not be millions, of light years, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be forever from against the travel. Yeah, but if you if you think about, that's just our galaxy. Right, and there's yeah. other galaxies. The one of my favorite things uh, in 2019 that uh, that I read was um, somebody was able to identify that there was two galaxies colliding with mm-hmm. each other. So, like, what happens then? I don't really know. The idea that galax- galaxies could collide is pretty crazy. Uh, and then they basically, if I remember the article correctly, and I probably don't, but uh, I think it was something like you know, two or four billion years from now, our galaxy is going to collide with that galaxy. So and everybody it, is doomed by that. Yeah, time. and it's like maybe, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so uh, I think that we just don't understand how big the world really is. Yeah. Um, but but uh, if I had to choose, definitely choosing an alien over Satoshi. So All right. we'll see. Listen, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. I, I uh, really appreciate it. Um, and obviously, I think a lot of the ideas and, and kind of ethos of what you guys are doing um, is shared across the uh, the Bitcoin and crypto community mm-hmm. in terms of um, kind of this decentralized future, right? Taking back a lot of um, the the self sovereignty and, and uh, identity, etc. Um, and ultimately, I think that um, the kind of that censorship resistance, whether it's in money or in uh, infrastructure, um, is going to play a pretty big uh, part in the world moving forward. And so, you guys are uh, are one of many teams that are working on yep. this, and and I think um, it's pretty exciting. So, uh, so thanks for coming in and explaining. Well, thank it. you for the opportunity. And I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to do it again in the future once you guys get farther along. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.